All right, the Bible. Okay, so if you have your Bibles, turn to Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 24. I was walking through this, uh, the, I almost said the Staples Center. Yep, I got one more thing to say. Uh, I'm calling it the Staples Center. It is not the Crypto.com arena. It is the Staples Center to me. Make some noise for that. Although I found out they were paid $700 million to change the name. And I'm, my name is Julian, but if you paid me $700 million, you could call me Crypto.com. <laughs> Give it up for Pastor Crypto.com in the building. $700 million, I'd be Pastor Crypto in a minute. All right, now, I did have one more thing to say. I got to get this stuff out or else I'm just useless when it comes to the word of God. So, okay, Proverbs 4, verses 20 through 24. I was walking through the crypto.com arena. And if you don't uh, know, I'm, I have the privilege and honor of being the team chaplain of the L.A. Clippers. And, um, uh, yeah, that was a really low woo. Um, I get it. Uh, but I'm walking through, and there's this Nipsey Hussle song. And I, God speaks to me through the strangest things. I don't know. I get ideas for message through the strangest things. And I'm walking through the arena and the DJ's blasting so loud this song from Nipsey Hussle last time that I checked. So you'd be like, who? <laughs> Nipsey Hussle. I thought, like, maybe you should quote Elevation Worship or Hillsong. Nope, it was Nipsey Hussle. And he's talking about last time that I checked, I had five chains around my neck and all this stuff. And God spoke to me about the soul. And I had this weird thought, the last time that I checked, I was in a good place. But I don't check often enough. And I felt like God was telling me to tell you that if you're going to prepare for what God has for you, you have to check every day. Did an offense get in there? Did, did some shame get in there? Did some guilt get in there? Did some insecurity get in there? Because what happens is whatever you don't check grows during the thing, during the process where you're not checking. The things of the enemy are like tumors. They grow if you don't check them. And many of us praying, if, if, you're, if you've dealt with cancer, I'm praying that you are fully recovered. If not, I'm, I'm believing God's healing. But many of us know that when Philip had cancer, he had to go back for more regular checks because he needed to make sure that it didn't come back. So you ever get angry or you're in a relationship and your spouse makes you angry or your boyfriend or girlfriend makes you angry and you get so mad that you get offended and you build up resentment or bitterness and then you forgive them but you don't check to see if that thing is still there. And next thing you know, what you haven't checked gets triggered and now you want to hold everybody accountable to your triggers, not holding yourself accountable to your checking. And if you checked, you would have less triggers. I'm, 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 okay, I get you have triggers. I might be triggering you right now. But I'm only triggering you because you haven't checked. You haven't checked. The heart is the vessel of God in our lives. And if the last time that we checked was 1982, I promise you what we're really good at is checking other people. 
We love to check other people. We check CNN, we check Fox News, we check our neighbor, we check this person. You know how many more people can tell me what's wrong with other people but can't tell me what's wrong with me? This is, I can't believe you're clapping at this. Because this is, this is, this is real life. You know what, um, probably uh, m my wife and I are, wouldn't you say we're, you always got to ask. Are we in a good season? Because I feel like we're doing great. <laughs> I remember one time this pastor called me, says, how are you and Christina doing? Couldn't be better. Incredible. His wife, I didn't know this, was on the phone with my wife. But Pastor Alex called me, Pastor Shunna called Christina. Alex said, how's your marriage? Fire. Scale of 1 to 10, 11. I mean, great husband in the dictionary, my face. Um, I don't even know how I could be doing better. And then I went to Christina's office, and she was crying. And uh, I said, babe, what's wrong? She said, I just got off the phone with Shana just about how we just, you know, maybe just not seeing eye to eye. So I'm like, what? I just saw Alex. We were doing great. <laughs> Open your eyes to the goodness of the Lord in your life. You know, like, but I wasn't checking. Sometimes we don't check because we don't want to know the answer. We don't want to find out that it's us. We're so convinced that it's other people. We say things like, man, if other people would do this, then I would have this. And this is something that even culture sells to us where they, they want you to believe that you can be doing everything right, but since someone out there doesn't want you to have it, God's stuck. And there is oppression in America. There is racism in America. But there is not a God in heaven going, God, I wish I could bless you. But your boss is a racist, so let me just be up here and talk to Moses, and you're on your own. No, what it says is he will bring down and level everything in your path. You need to pray for your enemies because God will remove your enemies in such a way that you, as a real Christian, you should have mercy on people. There was one time somebody talked about me publicly. Remember that, babe? She said, whoa. <laughs> and you know what I did? Lord, I'm good. Please don't give them the consequences that I know you give to people who talk trash about your son. I'm good. And I checked my own heart about it. So, so if the last time you checked was this morning, you are prepared for the greatest favor in your life ever. Somebody give God a shout of praise. We have to constantly check what's made its way into our own heart and our own soul. Proverbs 4, verses 24, 20 through 24 gives us a profound formula for checking your own heart or your own soul. And we're going to break this down. Um, because in the Bible, the heart or the soul is three things. Please write this down. It's the mind, your thinking patterns, the will, your ability to make decisions, and your emotions. That's the soul. Anytime you read the heart, it's not talking about boom, boom, the thing that, in the Bible, not talking about the thing that pumps blood throughout your body. It's talking about the mind, your decision making, 
your emotions. Your thinking, your decision making, and your emotions. Your thinking, your decision making, and your emotions. Anytime you read the heart or the soul in the Bible, it's talking about your thinking, your decision making, and your emotions. You can be a Christian, you can worship God, you can pray in tongues until your lips need Carmex. If you make poor decisions and have bad thinking and are not in control of your emotions, you will not live the life that God has called you to live. Does that make sense? You can memorize Deuteronomy. You can memorize Revelation. You can know Elevation Down by heart. You can go to church 18,000 times. If you cannot allow your faith to make its way into your thinking, your decision-making, and your emotions, you will not live a fruitful life. And so the soul is our responsibility. And so he goes and he's breaking his down and he says, my son or daughter, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, whoa, anybody got priorities? I do. Above, Silas does, good job, bud. Above all else, above all else, guard your heart. Somebody say guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Other translations say all the issues in your life flow out of your ability to guard your heart. Keep your mouth free from perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Guard your heart. Guard your ability to make decisions. Guard your emotions and guard your thinking. Now watch this. We've used this as a dating verse. Going on a date, girl, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Guarding your heart is not about making sure that a bad thing doesn't get in. Guarding your heart is that a good thing stays. You ever seen a security guard in front of a bank? Of course you have. You know why? They're not guarding the building. They're guarding what's in the building. It, it instantly becomes foolishness if someone hires a security guard to in, in a bank with no money in it, a closed bank. Washington Mutual, during the um, housing crash, went out of business. You've never seen a security guard in front of an old Washington Mutual building. Why? There's no money in it. There's nothing to protect. So if you put a guard without the right things in the building, that's actually foolishness. Many of us have guarded our heart, but what's in it, man, do I need to throw the binder? You're guarding your heart when offense is in it. So you're leaving the church to guard your heart from being more offended, but when you leave the church because you're offended, then what you guard is offense. Yeah. I, did you hear what I just said? I'm about to roundhouse this binder on the floor. If you make a decision based off hurt to protect yourself from getting hurt, then what you're guarding is hurt. But when you engage, you release the hurt. God will often use what hurt you to heal you. So if your wife hurts you, he'll use your wife to heal you. If your church hurts you, he'll use the church to heal you. If your family hurts you, he'll use your own family to heal you. But when we disengage 
because we've been hurt, we guard the hurt. And we put a security guard around pain. So we have to be careful that we don't live guarded lives when we're broken. Open your heart if you're broken and hurting. Guard your heart if you got a prophecy. That's the scripture. Broken people should not be guarding their heart. Like, you shouldn't be hiding anything. Be open. Find out who's for you. Deal with your rejection. Man, I'm jacked up. You know what saved my life? Was that I didn't have anything to hide. I came to the connect group smelling like weed. So it was easy for me because I, I didn't have any shame. But the things in my life that I didn't want people to know about, oh my God. We all got that sin. You know in the connect group where you confess the sin, you, don't, you ain't worried that nobody know about? Come on now. You can delete your history on your browser, but you can't delete it in heaven. God knows. And God sees it. And he's good. So what he does is he's not trying to guard your eyes from the bad thing. He's trying to guard your heart with the good thing. It's not a negative thing. Listen to it. He gives us the instruction. My son, this is guarding your heart. I'm going to give you the formula. This is going to change your life. Pay close attention to what I say. Notice he uses the child. P pay close attention to, to what the father says. We often give more attention to what other people say than what the father says. So I, I'm not denying that you probably had someone in your life hurt you. You have probably had someone in their life abandon you. How many people in this room have had someone say or do something awful to them? And what we do is we pay close attention to that. We need to be aware of our hurt while paying attention of what God is saying in the midst of it. So there's a difference between awareness and attention. Oh, this is here. This is in my past. You did this, but I'm paying attention to what God says. So guarding your heart starts with what you pay attention to. Not what you're aware of. What do you pay attention to? I'm not perfect. If you paid attention to my flaws, you would eventually not like me. If you gave my flaws too much attention. If I gave my wife's flaws too much attention, I would eventually feel like I've married the wrong person. If I give the flaws in the church too much attention, I would eventually feel like I'm in the wrong church. If I give my, the flaws in my job too much attention, I will eventually feel like I'm in the wrong job. But if I pay attention to what God is saying, the worst thing that you could do is make a decision based off what you're paying attention to and God is saying something totally different about that. So you got to lean into what God is saying about that. So if to use, and we use our marriage as example a lot, but one of the things that saved my mentality towards my wife is that when I, she did something to upset me, I guarded what God has said about her against the fence. So I'm not protecting myself from my wife. I'm protecting my heart from offense. No, my, God has already showed me who my wife is. Don't you come in here, enemy, and try to make me have a different perspective that's different than what God has said about. 
be an executive pastor for Pastor Philip. He wasn't perfect. Don't you come in here, devil. I know who my pastor is. This action may not align with what I felt God said, or I may not agree with what he's doing, but make no mistake about it. God's already revealed to me who this man is, and you are not. I'm guarding it. I'm guarding it. I'm paying attention to what God has to say about these people. And then it says, turn your ears to my words. The original word is to be inclined. So our inclinations and our instincts have to be to want to hear what God has to say. And here's where we get it wrong. Right when we feel offended, we look for someone to hear what we have to say. And we find a friend who we can sit down with and go, you see, I, this is how I feel, and they did this, and they're like, girl, and we're like, man, my dog, I feel you. No, I don't feel you. What is God saying? I need friends that help me understand what the Lord is saying to me. Don't let me sit in my offense, because offense puts a fence around your purpose and calling. So get me out of this. I'm like, get me out of this. Like, I need to be around people who are not offended. And I need to be around people who are not offended when a lot of offensible stuff is happening. I want to be around friends where I'm like, how are you not mad? Like, real Christianity is... In your flesh, you have a vision where you're like, ah, you fire on somebody. But in your spirit, you're like, bless you, brother. <laughs> it's not that you don't notice it. You see yourself like, huh. You see yourself putting them in a rear neck and choke hold, go to sleep, night, night. You need to see yourself doing that. But the Holy Spirit like, how can I pray for you? Because there's a war between the spirit and the flesh when it comes to the soul. So I'm not saying you cannot want to do it. But when you guard your heart, the spirit kicks in. You know the Bible says um, um, to, to men, run from youthful lust. It doesn't tell you not to have, not to see a woman and not notice her. It says to run. Run! Can you imagine me coming in the house out of breath? Christina's like, why are you out of breath? There's this girl outside, and she was so fine, I had to take off running. <laughs> but that's what the Bible says to do. She should be so proud of me. Dripping sweat. And some of y'all need to perspire a little bit more and take off running. Do what you got to do. The Bible doesn't say be holy and resist. Run! God is such a good dad. Sometimes in heaven, he's yelling in, to his sons, hey, run! Run from your lust. Run! Take off running, flee, run. And you know, do not fear means do not run in the Bible. So that means 
if you're going to run from the things that affect your soul, you need to have a healthy fear of the consequences if you don't run. Run! Get out of there! What did uh, Apollo Creed's coach say in Rocky when he was fighting Drago? Throw the dang towel! Quit! Run! Get out of there! You're, you're going to shipwreck your whole life. One of the things I hate about being a pastor is how hard it is to get to this place and how easy it is for one thought, one decision, one emotion that's unattended to. And I've been thinking about this sermon for three weeks. And what is he saying? Pay attention to what I say. Incline your ear to my words. Don't let them out of your sight. So we probably should write down the things that we know God is saying. Keep them within your heart, for they are life. And that word life isn't just physical life. It's this beautiful, blessed, fulfilled life with God. Words from God create a life with God. I'm going to say that again. Words from God that are paid attention to and guarded create a life with God. So then if you get words that are not from God and you let those things get in your soul, then it alters your life with God. Words. And he says, now guard your heart. One of the things I want us to do as a church is find the rhythm of making sure we're not guarding our heart too early. Because we can't guard our heart prematurely before the word of God gets in it about what he has to say about who we are. One of the things that's interesting even in our culture right now is there's this war on identity. And I believe that an identity should not need anyone else other than God to be fulfilled. So then me and God, if I'm a child of God, that means I can be operating in my identity with God alone. But once sexuality becomes an identity, now I need you to help me be me. So I'm not saying here to judge that, but I'm saying I don't need you to help me feel like me. No matter what. And, and it can create this thing where if you are not attracted to me or I don't know how to be attracted to you, then I don't feel like me. I need to be able to feel like me regardless of how you feel about me. That's identity. Is I'm confident about me without your help. So I'm not here to challenge I'm only here to challenge one thought. Are you confident about who you are without anyone's help but God's? If that person hated you, could you feel loved? Because here's the thing. Did you know love in the Bible means this? Moral preference. Somebody living under complete holiness and morality extending something to another. That's what it means. So then God is so perfectly moral that love is his identity, not an action. It's who he is, which means that when you don't love him back, it cannot stop him from loving you because love is who he is. So what we do as preachers is we try to say to certain people, you are less loved because of these actions. I, one pastor posted this, we need to let the world know what offends God. God is not offended. 
He was. But then he sent Jesus as a sacrifice, and now God forever is going, I'm good. Now everything he asked you to do is for you. He wants you to be healthy and whole and complete, lacking nothing. Most people enter into relationships because they feel like something's missing. Do you hear what I'm saying? And the peace of God and the peace with God nothing's ever missing. So once you have peace with God, nothing's missing. That's a healthy soul. Nothing's missing. If you have an unhealthy soul right now, the first thing you need to watch for is you need to ask yourself, do I feel like something is missing? Is there something that I'm waiting for that I am under the deception that if that thing happens, I will be in a better place? No. No, you've let, you know, the dreams that you have that might be valid replace the word of God. Because the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. So what you're hoping for isn't happening. Your heart, your mind, your will and emotions will be made sick. So that's why your hope needs to be in Jesus so your hope is never deferred and your heart will never be sick. But if your hope is in the book, the audition, now you're sick when you don't book it. The Bible says you can't stop this, so we have to put our hope in the right things. So it says, above all else, guard our heart. And we guard our heart with these words. And some of the things that God says are tough. And I think that pastors need to be more clear, like, this is tough. Not everything in the Bible is just clear and understanding, like, I hate when people say the Bible is clear. What about the Bible is clear? Have you read the Bible? This is the most confusing book I've ever read in my life. It says I can't eat shrimp in one chapter, and then you, you sitting up here talking about we need to do follow the Bible word for word, but you just had a bacon sandwich. Come on, brother. Like, this is, what, what, this is, this marriage is not allowed, but this pastor's found a way to be on their fourth wife. So I'm confused as to, like, what, I, this is confusing. So it requires the Holy Spirit. So here's what's crazy. Without the Holy Spirit, the Bible is just a book. With the Holy Spirit, with the presence of God, you are reading the only book in the world where every single time you read it, you are sitting down in the presence of the author. And so it is the author himself, your relationship with God, that helps you interpret this, not your own desires and your own emotions. And if I desire for the world to be holy, I will misinterpret the Bible. But if I desire for myself to be holy, then now the Bible shapes my character. And when I walk into darkness, darkness has become instantly illuminated. Notice it says that those who protect God's words have the life of God operating in their life. And what does it say in John chapter 1? The word brought life, the life brought light, and darkness could not understand what was going on. The original language is darkness could not comprehend it. So as a church, instead of spouting the truth to culture, we live in it, we meditate it, we allow it to transform our lives, then we show up somewhere and the life brings light and you walk into a dark place and darkness goes, I just don't understand how you have so much peace. I just don't get it. What is it about you? 
why are you this way? I'm a big fan of golf. Big fan. Anybody know that? Two times I've been on a golf course. One time about nine months ago, I was with this brother. He was golfing on the golf course, and he had his grandpa's old driver. He was a decent golfer, and this brother was hacking his driver all over the fairway. Just one ball would spray off to the right, other ball would spray off to the left. I'm like, this guy seems to have a good swing. What's going on? And I looked at his driver, and it was a senior driver, which means that it was meant for someone who's like 70 or 80 years old. And I said, you're a young guy. Why are you swinging with this driver? He says, oh, my grandpa gave it to me, and I lost my job during COVID. And when I get my job, I'm going to get a driver like yours because I love your driver. And the Holy Spirit said, give this man your driver. And I said, the devil is a lie. <laughs> the devil is a lie. Not with a 250 drive straight down the middle. The devil is a lie. This man said, give, God said, give this man your driver. End of the round, I said, hey, man, as you know, your drives weren't that great. I'm a pastor in L.A. I felt like the Lord told me I'm supposed to give you my driver, and I gave it to him. This man broke down crying. He said, what kind of people give away their driver on the golf course? I said, people that God loves and, God want, and, and, and people that love people back because of the way God loved them, those kind of people. And he said, you restored my faith that there's still people out there, out there like that. Do you understand? It was this encounter where we talked about faith and we talked about life and it was on the golf course and it came because God had me do something that just brought light. Some of us quote a scripture and then put the driver in our bag. God, I wish I had that driver back. <laughs> it's true. I wish I had it back. Matter of fact, if I see him again, I might go, it's better to give than receive, my brother. That's the first. Give me my driver back. Shoot. So my point is, if it's our soul, it's our responsibility. And let me just give you a few things to guard your heart. It's, it's almost never someone else's fault you feel the way you feel. It's like never. It's not someone else's fault you're dealing with the issues you're dealing with in the church. It's not someone else's fault. It, it's, it's you. If you can have that, that mindset, and then if it's you, you'll discover what's them, but then what's them won't bring about as much offense when you've dealt with you. Just go, it's me. It's me. This has got to be me. When we believe the best about people, we go, it's got to be me. And sometimes I've checked and I'm like, no, nah, this ain't me. One great conversation, I've had this in our marriage. Where I'm like, I checked. I don't feel like this is me. Is this me? And, I, and if, if Christina, I'll call Sam. I'll call Marcel. I'll call people. And Sam a couple weeks ago said, no, nah, brother, this is you. I said, all right now. All right now, you Canadian-wise, tall drink of water, you. 
He said, it's you. And he says, if you make these changes, you'll have a completely different wife and a completely different marriage in three years. I said, three years? What about three days? What about three days? No, three years. Sometimes when you, sometimes it takes time. Sometimes you got to check for three years. And if the last time you checked was three years ago, instead of checking every day for three years, three years from now, you're going to have a totally different life. Check. We have this little um, uh, crew of, of, of guys we hang out with, and, you know, it's great. It's awesome. And one of the things they talk about is cultivating. Cultivating the environment for your spouse that you want. Not blaming, cultivating. Yeah, we just cultivate our household so our wives can thrive. I'm like, who are these people? I need a circle of people where it's like, this is your fault. Stop tripping. I need someone to talk. No, it's, we're going to start with us as men. We're going to start with us. We're going to start with us. This ain't nobody's fault. Nobody's fault. I, I did an article, uh, uh, an interview, and I was asked this question, what are some of the challenges of being a black pastor? And I said, I don't know. They said, excuse me? They took this out of the interview, by the way. I said, I don't know. Because media wants, that's how they present questions. It's already, I don't know. And I said, I'm not sure if my challenges are because I'm a black man or my challenges are because I'm anointed. Because sometimes your challenges are because you're anointed and you think it's because you're a woman. Or your challenges are because you're blessed or your challenge is because God's getting ready. You, you get what I'm saying? I don't know. I'm not sure. But what I do know is I'm always going to have challenges because your boy is no joke. God has called me to greatness. When you start having that mentality, <laughs> maturity in Christianity is pain management. All over the world, there's tribal rites of passages for men that are 13, and almost all of them have to do with the capacity to handle pain. I know you're mature when I see you in pain, and who you are when you're in pain is who you are. It's not when everything's going well. It's when this thing is declaring war on your mind. This thing is declaring war on your decision making. I don't know who you are until you're in pain. And whatever decision you feel like making when you're in pain is who you are. And the thing is, this is what I need you to do so I stop feeling this way. No, why do you feel this way? Because if they did it and they pleased you, now they're in bondage. And here's the thing. For all, everyone in here that's like, yeah, I feel you. No, 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 they're, they're still right. They're still right. Sometimes, you know, Christina would tell me things and I would get so defensive about what she would tell me and I realized my mother never encouraged me. She always criticized me. So I wasn't able, I took wisdom as criticism. And so I'm like, wow, I need to fix this because my wife might tell me something that I need in order to move forward but because my soul can't handle, views wisdom as criticism, 
I'm missing out on some of the best parts of my marriage. So I had to go back and like, what was it about my mom that, that, that made me want to prove to people that I could do it without their help? And I made a lot of poor choices that I wish I wouldn't have made. And so what I'm saying to you is this, if your soul is in the right place, you will experience so much favor, I promise you. And if you don't feel you are experiencing the goodness of God right now in your finances or in an area, check your soul. Because God knows that if he blesses you, most people operate in blessing, slows down their transformation. Pain transforms. And so maturity is blessing transforms. Anybody ever get a check for a million and go, I gotta change? No! God's like, I'm tired of y'all having to go to jail or be broke for you to listen. Some of us are in trouble or broke or struggling because that's the only way God can get us to listen. If somebody, if God could give you a check for five million and you go, Lord, who do I need to be to steward this five million well? Then he wouldn't always have to use hard times to get you to transform into the image of God. The image of God. This is the last thing I'll share. You can come get this. Uh, this is the last thing I'll share. But Peter uh, was paying taxes, or they wanted to get out of taxes. I love Peter. And Peter was like, yo, man, what's up with these taxes? Can you imagine Jesus is here? This is Christ. And you're like, hey, Jesus, I have a question. Yeah, um, about the IRS. Do we, now that you're here, do we have to pay them? I think this is a great question. And Jesus says this, this, whose image is on the coin? And, and Peter goes, Caesar. And he says, well, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God. So what is he saying? Each and every one of you were created in the image of God. So he's saying, give taxes to Caesar because Caesar is image. But his image is imprinted on your life. So give the money to Caesar. It isn't, pastors preach that like, so, so give to Caesar and tithe. No, 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 it's not a scripture about money. It's give to what is Caesar because his image is on that. My image is not on the money. I'm not asking, that verse does not mean give, pay taxes to Caesar and tithe to the church. It means give the money to Caesar and give your life to God because the image of Caesar is on the money, but the image of God is on you. So here's that moment in service where you get to give something to God, which is your life. And the question isn't, are you bad? Did you sin? Do, do, you, do you break all these rules? The question is, whose image is on you? The image of culture, the image of pain, the image of what this person said, whose image is on your life? And if you were created with the image of God, then give to God what is God, which is yourself. It means that you were created to belong to God. You were created to hear words from the Father. And the last time that you check, which hopefully is every morning, you are loved, you're forgiven, 
and you've been made whole through your relationship with God and that should bring an overwhelming peace to your soul. And so you were made in God's image. And if you feel like in this moment, I want you to stand to your feet and if you feel like in this moment, you wanna give your life to God, I wanna give you the opportunity to do so right now. We give our life to God because life started with God. We are all made in the image of God. And God sends us through this beautiful process so that he can see his reflection in our life, our decision-making, our thinking. And that's what being a Christian is about. It is continuing to sharpen and shape the image of God that is in our lives from the time we are born. And so if that's you and you wanna give your life to God, you wanna be forgiven of your sin, you wanna learn how to live life in the image of God, I want you to raise your hand on the count of three. We're gonna say a quick prayer for you. You'll be forgiven, changing your mind. The Holy Spirit, God's Spirit will help you change your ways. You just need to change your mind. One, two, three. Go ahead and lift your hands. You wanna give your life to the Lord. Come on, his hands going up everywhere. Can you give God a shout of praise in here? Come on. Hey, what a great word today uh, from Pastor Julian. Last time I checked, hopefully it blessed you. I know it blessed me. Uh, two things, maybe you're someone who's uh, responding today, whether something from that message just really hit home or you're kind of saying yes to Jesus for the first time, whatever it might look like for you, you wanna respond, you wanna take a step. Easy, simple way to do that is our Connect Guard. Our team will respond to you, get back to you, help you with those next steps. Oasis la.org slash connect. Like I said, just, just open a tab, fill it out real quick, um, and you can start the steps of becoming a part and not just a uh, someone who's just watching, but become a part of what's happening at Oasis Church. And we'd like to take that step with you with your faith as well. Secondly, in a few moments, there's gonna be some discussion questions on the screen. You can go through those by yourself or maybe call up a friend or plan to watch with someone again and go through those uh, together. It's a great way to kind of take this word and really uh, confirm it and cement it into your heart. Uh, so these things take root and that you can grow. Thanks so much for watching today. We love you so much. We'll see you soon.